sounds fun. Follow your cart. Get the ember. Love it. Welcome to Keyforge Premier League Weekly. I am Jupiter, aka the Fifth Planet Keyforge, and I'm here with my co-host and good friend. Hey guys, it's Drascore. It's the Drascore, and today we are going mm -hmm. to come at you with a different style of podcast. We're not going to just talk about Keyforge like we normally do and banter and do all that crazy stuff because we're going to actually do a a look at the comparison between Magic the Gathering and Keyforge. Um, and the reason I wanted to do this is because I've been playing the game since its inception, um, both games since their inception, actually. Um, I played Magic for 25 years before I quit when I started playing Keyforge. And um, I still probably would go back to playing it with my friends and stuff casually, but I'd never go competitive. I used to play on the on the Star City games tours and stuff. I have friends like Ross Merriam, Tom Ross, uh, some, some of the bigger names of people that have stayed with me here in Syracuse when I was at the end of my run um and i always played like semi-professionally from day one because i was playing with people like mike long and kyle rose for all you magic heads um if you know those people when i was down in charlotteville um virginia when the game was first kicking off uh, my dci number is seven nine six seven nine four if you want to look it up um yes it's only six digits and it's now in like you know hundreds of millions i guess i don't know it's like stupid stupid big right because the game is was the first of its kind and it was uh you know, it was definitely a very important game in the history of any kind of card game. Um, but then back in uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Keyforge came out, right? And uh, basically came out November 15th, 2018. Um, and the game like won my heart instantly. Like uh, I instantly became a big fan of the game um, and I've been all in since. But uh, I hear a lot of people doing comparisons between Magic the Gathering and Keyforge and trying to directly compare them. And I don't know how much the people have actually played Keyforge when they've done that. So I wanted to bring my perspective to it. And of course, I had to drag Draz with it. But Draz, why don't you tell some people about yeah, like, uh, so, your experience? <laughs> so so uh, not nearly as much experience as, as you had. So uh, I did play a bit but it was not for a super long time, right? So I think some of my friends were, were into it for a bit, and they were like, oh, you should play, you should try it. And I was much more into Dungeons and Dragons at the time. But, you know, they were sort of talking it up, so I was like, ah, I'll try it out. So I, I was looking at the dates, trying to figure out exactly exactly when. The, the best I can figure was probably late 1996 that I started playing, and I ended somewhere in early 98, I think. So I remember, like my very first, you know, starter box was of the Mirage set, um, which was relatively new at, at that point. And um, you know, I, I don't think I was ever very good. I was, I was young, and uh, I was just sort of messing around with my friends, and you know, played all five mana houses for quite a while till. Till uh, some of my other friends were like, you should, you know, the one guy's like, you should just play black. That's all you should play. <laughs> so, but I had some fun, messed around with it, but um, never got nearly as deep as you did, right? I, 
I'm not even sure if I played at the store. I think it was all like kitchen table style stuff that 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 I was in. Yeah, like it's a uh, it's definitely I was very young when the game first came out, right? Like I was still in high school and stuff and it was through college I was playing it and stuff and that's when I was down in the in the Virginia area playing with like Mike Long who's like one of the first like celebrities of, of Magic and then he became the heel of Magic when uh, he got, you know, called out for cheating or something and then they banned him from Magic, I guess, uh, over some period. Mm-hmm. Um that was all when at, you know, like in a time period where I wasn't really uh hanging out with him anymore. I was in college trying to get you know, life started, but, um, the, but then we also have Kyle Rose. I, I always mention him with Mike because Kyle is like, uh, you know, hall of famer, like super, uh, super nice guy always was. So, um, you know, like that was like me as a kid and I was kind of hanging out and just kind of like sucking in the influence from them and like learning the game from them and stuff. And then it was until I came back up here after I got out of the military and stuff like that, where I hooked up with like uh, Ross Merriam, Chaz Tanner, these guys um, started doing some SCG stuff. But the thing that always hampered me with magic was that it's very travel intensive to be competitive. Um, and that was like the one thing about magic that kind of was like a crutch for me because I always had family ties or I had school ties or you know, obligations that kept me from being overly competitive because you have to kind of grind in magic to be a pro, right? Like you have to basically get to events um, every weekend and try to basically add points together. And, you know, it's a, it's a serious like circuit, right? Like it's a really, it's, it's a lifestyle, right? Like it's something that you do. Um, so when Keyforge came along, I was really stoked about it. And then when they released like, their whole system of how they were going to play the game, I was excited because it's like, oh, I can go to a prime and get qualified for worlds that way. And all I have to do is win a prime. All I have to do, right? All you have to do. Um, but um, I was like, I was like, uh, I was stoked. And uh, lucky for uh-huh. me, lucky for me, I had prepped good enough uh, for Keyforge that I went to a prime when Worlds Collide was released. I went to my first prime and um, I was able to win my first prime with uh, the eventually obtuse inca so that was pretty sweet it was like only like 24 people i had to go through and i only had to travel three hours to get to it so like it wasn't too bad um but i also got to hang out with my best friend i had a tire blowout that day um on my car oh, no. when we were heading there i had to call and they delayed the tournament a couple minutes because we basically got a, a donut on there and took off and like hauled ass to get there and then we had <laughs> while i was doing that my friend got the car tire so thank you jimmy ray at wny if you're ever in buffalo he's in the area near buffalo called hamburg um go to his store check him out patronize him uh wny absolutely great people uh jimmy ray is like my brother i love that guy I, and he's another magic player too um i I've, I've played magic with him on the circuit so um so yeah so um that was the most oh, interesting tell me so so you were comparing a little bit but i'm not sure not having come from the magic world I, i'm not sure i completely got what the system is for for magic right i got is it you mentioned points is it more like is it like sort of like you get shards and you need enough shards in order to go to these bigger competitions you can't just show up no, it's, um, it's not. It's, it it's not. It's not really shards. It's like they have like they have their own board and their own their own points systems. And you go and like you qualify by you know placing high up on each of the tournaments. So like every mm-hmm. every time you you score, basically you you know you get put on a leaderboard and the leaderboard you basically fight for position and then you get sent to invitationals and you work your way up. Or you, uh, could, or you okay. could go. Or you could go to a Grand Prix, which are ginormous. Like the last Grand Prix I went to was in New Jersey. Um, I was playing red, black, or red, blue Delver, and they had like 2,000 people or something. And not even, oh, wow. not even exaggerating. They had it was one of the largest uh, collections of people that they've ever had. Like we literally had like 
hundreds and hundreds of tables it seemed um the place wow. was it was it was packed i don't remember the exact number but it was in new jersey it was a it was a it was mm-hmm. um, bigger than what we have in Keyforge at this point. <laughs> it was it was it was huge. I was trying to think yeah. of the, the, the word of that of the thing. It was legacy, all right. Like so, we were playing like um, you know the old school stuff, like the you know the older stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember I just got back in. Chaz had given me Red Blue Del- Delver because it was really easy to play. And like I drove down there with him, and it was just us. And then I had to play him like in the first round of the tournament. So it was interesting. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did beat him, but yeah, that one time. That one time. Um, so once. Yeah, that one time. Like he's really good, but like um, you know, like uh, there's a lot of like uh traveling though. Like I said, they went with magic, and then with this, it's like you still had to travel, but it seemed like the payoff was just bigger for worlds. Even though we never got to get to worlds and like this. I felt, know we will. It'll whole, happen. The the whole thing kind of like you know hit the bed with the COVID and stuff, and I think that's part of what got the detractor down for Keyforge, right? But I guess let's get to the, the the points of the game, right? Like, um, Magic the Gathering and Keyforge to me are apples to oranges. You can't compare them directly. They're both fruit. They're both games. Yes. They both card games. Yes. They're both made by Richard Garfield. Yes. That's kind of like they're both fantasy elements. I'll give it that, right? But like, that's kind of where the games end as far as like the way they're played and the way they're created, right? So like in the way they're meant to be played. And I think that too many people like try to say, well, which one's better? They're, they're completely different mindsets and elements, right? And so like better is a, is a subjective word. And I think it kind of irritates me when I listen to people who have played a lot of Magic and they just blow off Keyforge as a simple game. Um, so we're here to kind of see if maybe we can curve that perspective, not w- without being negative to Magic the Gathering, because Magic the Gathering is the grandfather of all games. It's not going anywhere. It's never going to be outdone, I don't think. Um, it, it's a great game. Um, I have nothing negative to say about Magic the Gathering. But at the same time, I would like to see if I could open the minds of some of these Magic the Gathering players, because I think what happens is with the amount of time and investment people have into Magic the Gathering, um, they're a little bit quick to like try to cut off people who they see as competition or a threat to their game. But, you know, not really a news flash, but I'll give you breaking news if you're one of those people. Uh, Magic's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not going to die out overnight because a new game comes up or a new game gets some success. So I think that uh, if we put our guards down a little bit, I think you could find a way to uh, enjoy both games. And I think they complement each other very well when you uh, put them side by side. What do you, how do you feel about that, Draz? Yeah, I mean, I I did have fun playing playing Magic. And I think they they sort of filled a different space a little bit for me. Like I, I remember there being different aspects to uh, magic, the gathering uh, versus versus Keyforge, And, you know, not that uh, Keyforge was around when I was playing magic, but, but if I thought about which aspects of the game I really liked back then and which ones I was less excited about, somebody might've been able to look at it and say, Hey, you might be a Keyforge guy. <laughs> And that's because, like, I really enjoyed playing the game, um, and I had some fun building decks, but, like, not that, like, like super optimizing the decks and really, like, do I put, you know, this card or this card in, or really trying to, to figure that out. That was, that was like, eh, I just want to play the game. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, the deck building aspect wasn't as compelling to me, um... And obviously, with Keyforge, the deck building aspect is well extremely different in that right. you don't build a deck. 
Right, so I think that's like probably the biggest difference in the two games, right? This is kind of what makes them apples and oranges is that in Magic the Gathering, I think we focus our time building decks in like basically going to a tournament. Let's let's make this on a competitive level, right? I'm talking purely competitive, not casually. Uh, mm -hmm. So on a competitive level for Magic the Gathering, the first thing you have to do is you have to understand the meta and like what's going on in in, in the series of decks. Um, a lot of people say, well, it's I, I like the game because I get to build my decks and stuff like that. Well, the truth of the matter is with Magic the Gathering, how, no matter how you look at it, is yes, there are fringe decks that go to tournaments and can do well, and you can be a person that masters something new and basically comes out of nowhere with something and wins. But in reality, um, there's a very small select you know, group of elite players that basically um, figure out what is the best thing to play, right? And there's usually like maybe three to four decks tops that are going to dominate a, a certain meta um, at, at the time that cards are out, right? Like um, the, I think the most versatile um of all the set of all the things that i've seen was was definitely playing modern um modern has a bit of a deeper pool and more like a, a harder meta to really solve but even then like there are decks that come out and like with the newer cards as they come out and they and they work their way into that meta they change and they basically make the power kind of shift right and then it, it, again it becomes um about the pilots and who's who's piloting them and how well they play the game right um but in Keyforge, the opposite occurs where it's like our time really goes into learning our deck before the, the, the thing. But it's not about um, putting something together or meting, like making a meta and trying to figure out how to play against the same deck and how to play against the other couple decks and, you know, sideboarding. Ours becomes like, how well do we know how to pilot our deck? How well do we recognize what our opponent's decks are doing? And how well do we know where our, our holes are and how well can we exploit our opponent's holes? Right. So they're very similar in some natures, but in the reality of it is, is in magic, it's a lot easier to be prepared for a tournament because you're a lot of your thinking and your planning can go into it before you go into the tournament. Um, and like I said, there are the, the fringe cases like where you find decks that are just odd and like, you know, kind of going to make you get on your toes a little bit. But for the most part, you're going to be seeing a lot of things that are being played well at the time whereas in keyforge every single round of every single tournament you are basically on that fringe bubble where it's like you don't know what you're going to play you're going to yes you're going to see infernus yes you're going to see certain cards that are really good um probably popping up but at the same time like the decks are going to do completely different things and being able to really recognize the mechanics in game and make all the micro decisions that come with with key like with uh keyforge versus like the macroing of this like uh, decisions of, of playing magic the gather and in my opinion i think uh that's like one of the biggest differences between the two games and that's kind of what really sets them completely like farther apart than anything is the fact that you it's a different type of mentality for the game it doesn't make it it doesn't make keyforge simple um i know that's like one of the things that really irks me when i hear people say like well magic is the you know the intensive version it's the strategic version it's the it's the version that is going to require more skill and stuff i i totally disagree with that statement um i do agree yeah. i do agree that there is all that in magic i do but i think that you're very much shorting keyforge for what it is and how much work goes into finding the right decks to play and you know figuring out how to play that deck and then the amount of time it takes you playing that deck before you even like 
can play it well. Um, and that's why I think a lot of the, the comparisons that we hear are people who've played Keyforge for a minute and they think, you know, oh, this game is simple. Because the core of it is really simple, and we'll get into the mechanics of the game here in a little bit, but like the, the core of the game is very simple, and the way you play it, it seems really easy. But then when you start actually playing it and trying to be competitive with it, it becomes a whole another monster, right? Um, so mm -hmm. how do you mm -hmm. feel about that? And, yeah, I mean, I think the thing... So one of the things you said, right, was about, hey, you can't, you, you got to deal with the deck you have, right? You can't just craft this perfect deck that is basically net decked that is, um, you, you know, effectively the same as all these other decks, right? To do well, um, you need to, right, you need to find a good deck, but but you also need to learn how to use the less than optimal cards that are in that deck, mm -hmm. right? And um and each deck requires you to learn something different and do something different right and and it's not always obvious what that is right like um today i was playing a deck that has both um chimera eclipse and spike trap in it right mm -hmm. it's chimera eclipse right bounces your dudes back from your flanks and your opponents spike trap deals three damage to to each your each cards on each uh, of the flanks right so um like, what does that deck want you to put on your flanks? Because in one case you're right, you're you're shuffling back in your deck, you to play again. In another case, you're killing the thing, right? And so, learning your deck and learning what is a better thing to do when, and looking at your opponent's deck and figuring out, okay, in this scenario, um, which one should I try to play into if, if I have a choice, right? Um, that that is a really interesting, interesting puzzle and figuring out your deck that i don't think exists in magic when when you're like well i'm just i'm just gonna take the better card right as, as opposed to to having to deal with, with with what you have and i really enjoy that aspect of the game the figuring it out like as you play over the course of many games yeah, I, I feel like it's a very valid statement because, like, in Magic, you're basically min-maxing, right? Like, if you think of it as a D&D term, yeah, right? Like, yeah. like, you're basically looking and you're trying to play... Everything in your deck is based off of a mana curve, right? And, like, and so, like, you know that on turn one, you could play one land. On turn two, you could play, you know, two lands. So you basically mathematically generate your own algorithm. You basically create the algorithm for your deck. And it's based usually on a curve of some sort, right? Um, all the competitive decks are going to want to do something every turn because that means you're not wasting, like, effort. If you're playing like a you know red red deck wins kind of deck, you're gonna have like you know I, I forgot the numbers because I haven't built a, a magic deck in forever, but it's like you want like at least like 18ish one drops, like one you know one mana drops. And then you want you know x amount like 12 or 14 you know two drops, etc. Eight three drops, and then you know four you know four drops or something like that. Like um, th those numbers aren't exact, I'm sure anymore, but like uh, it's like something in that nature. Like I remember for the curve, right? And when you're and that's the mana cost you're talking about when you say drops, right? Is that what yeah, you're... yeah, the, okay, man the okay. mana cost of the cards you're playing, yeah. and then you not only want that, but you want the best of those cards, right? Like, so you're looking for like lightning bolts and you're looking for like things that mm -hmm. give you for one mana, I can do three damage. That's huge because in a game where you're basically fighting your opponent's health pool um, in Keyforge, it's the exact opposite. It's like you get a deck that plays the cards that it plays. Like, like essentially you're, if you have sideboard type cards, they're in your deck already. Like you're, they're there and they're and you have to know when to use them and when they're not good, when to play them and when, you know, like what you're saying, when not to play them. Um, like one of the decks I just got uh, from Dark Tidings, um, the Miserly Pontifex. It has a Sorium in it, which is a, 
it's a it's, it's a play a story an artifact that goes into play and it says like the lowest creature cannot reap and for people that are magic people reaping is how you win the game because you create amber and basically reaping helps you make amber right so you play the storium card and you're like oh this is great but it also has this combo that requires you to reap with creatures that are power three they let their comm officers and they basically one of them lets you draw more cards the other one lets you power up your deck well when you first start playing that combo you have guys that are power two um in the deck that basically are inside of that battle line and then you can basically activate both of your things but if you're not careful you could trap yourself with your saurian by putting a plus one counter on your two power creatures and all of a sudden your whole combo gets turned off and that's not something like that's something you have to be aware of and that's like it takes in-game processing and thinking about do i really want to play this card or do i want to discard it and you have to make hard decisions uh, another big difference between magic and keyforge is in magic like again you're attacking that health total i was talking about so it's like you can literally go to the head with people and like you can basically try to win by like just taking their life total down right and where and, and that's that's a one style of game in keyforge that's not the objective and a lot of the times people who have the larger board state are the ones that lose because in 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 Keyforge, you are looking to create keys with amber, and you need six amber per key. So when you reap with a creature, it is it is basically more aggressive than when you fight with a creature, because fighting usually is defensive, and you're trying to take things off of the board to deny your opponent the resources that they could basically get from play, using those creatures, right? Um, so, that took me a minute to figure out when I first started playing Keyforge. I was like, well, of course you fight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and like one yeah. of the biggest one of the biggest <laughs> things I teach new players, especially ones coming from Magic, is that is the number one two two things that beginning Magic players like miss completely is a they they miss the fact that like. Amber is the is the driving force. That's the aggressive play. It's not the defensive play. Like, and uh, it's not creatures and fighting creatures that matter. It's basically how much resources you can pull out of those creatures, right? Because it's a race game. Um, and then the second thing is, is they don't fully understand how the mechanics of the game work with creatures. Um, so when they play a creature, they don't realize that you can reap with every creature in the game. Um, there's been many games I've left like new people as I'm helping other new people, and I come back to the game and I'm like, man, you guys have no keys made, and you're like on turn looks like, you know, 18, 20. I was like, what's up with that? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's just hard to make amber and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, are you reaping every turn? You know, like you have a ton of creatures. You have a board state with like 30 creatures and you're telling me nobody's reaping? And they're like, what, what do you mean? And it's like, it's like yeah. you turn a creature sideways and create an amber. And like, it seems simple, right? Like, like, but like people miss that for some reason. They think that if the card doesn't say reap and then I'm like, no, 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 no. If the card has a, has a code word on it, like reap or fight or something, that is resolved on top of of whatever happened like if they fight and there's a fight trigger if they survive the fight they get that fight trigger it's basically comes after the event right so if you reap and you have a reap trigger then you check for the reap trigger so like it's a little bit different from magic and so that throws a lot of new magic players off and it makes the game feel cumbersome so i wonder how many people suffered from that because i've seen it and it's like one of the top things that happened um when they're trying to learn for themselves or whenever they just don't realize that and so then the game would probably feel pretty bulky if you couldn't reap for amber right like because like you kind of no. like, i don't know what you do then like because especially like with amber pips i guess if you're lucky enough to have like 18 amber pips in your in your first code of rush deck you know yeah then yeah. You, you feel good right and then all of a sudden the person you're playing against feels really bad because they're like i can't keep up with that he has way more amber yeah. on his cards right but that's that's because you didn't really learn the game in full and you're basically playing with a, a diminished understanding of the game yeah i do wonder if that's part of why because i've seen a little bit like where sometimes magic players or board game players in general will 
will play it, and and some of the comments are like, oh, the, the decks are like too unbalanced, right? And and, and that's why I don't like it. And I mean, the decks are not balanced, but I you know I feel like if you just open two random decks, like you've got a pretty good chance of having um like a good game. Like even if one deck is favored a little bit, mm-hmm. um. There, there, there's always things you can do, and the more times you play that deck, um, the better you're going to get at it. The, the more interesting things you're going to figure out, and you know, certainly if you're playing the first time, you don't realize you can reap with your creature, right? Hey, maybe that's why. Hey, the one deck that has way more pips, belt unbalanced and better. Mm. Um, if 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 you're not fully understanding, hey, these you know these are the different levers you have to pull, and and how you should be pulling them. Yeah, and I think that uh, yeah, I mean that makes sense, right? And the I think the overall factor too with with Magic players, like to kind of add on to kind of where you're at, is that I think that like being comfortable in a game kind of breeds like a loyalty to it, right? And I think mm-hmm, that's and sure. I think with Magic, it's been around for 25 years. It's the godfather of all games. Like, there's nothing that's gonna really threaten Magic: The Gathering, right? Like, Magic: The Gathering is not going anywhere, and like, but it seems like sometimes the community for it, it thinks uh, it feels like they just want to dismiss every bit of the game of any other game because they think that there's like a threat on it or not. There's plenty of room in the, in the, in the hobby sphere for it. And um, the thing that's very cool for Keyforge is like that, like it's definitely a pro over magic is that it's relatively cheap to be competitive in Keyforge. It is not relatively cheap to be competitive in magic. Um, even popper decks, which are all common cards that are normally like, you know, like super easy to get, but that, like now it's like you're getting commons from older sets, right? So this, even with just common cards, like there's, the decks can be like a hundred bucks, like just to play popper. Um, and what is popper? I don't, I don't know what popper is. Popper is you play all common cards. You cannot play anything that is not common. Okay. Um, so so uh, it's a newer format that like uh, when I was getting out, it was get, starting to getting some traction. And when I was looking at the MTG like results and stuff to see how the decks were balanced and stuff, like popper was there. And I was like, I was like not surprised. Like you can get a popper deck for thirty bucks, right? Like obviously you could build one and stuff, but it's not going to be competitive. All the competitive. Mm. Well, I, I won't say it's not going to be. I'm sure there are some that might be. But like the the thing is with popper is like you're looking for all these old commons from like old you know 93 94 magic and you know back in that day like antiquities and stuff and like you know so they're still going to cost money because they're hard to find because they're rare um and like even though they're common right and then like when you start looking at standard like most decks cost anywhere from like 300 to 600 bucks because of the because of the the power spiking that happens in the community and part of that Mm -hmm. is, is 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 community inflicted because because it is a free open trade game and basically like a collectible card game and like the cards are there, like people can go, man, I think this card is going to be great. And they just buy as many as they can while they're cheap. And then they hold on to them. And like, like there's a group called alpha investments with Rudy. Like um, they, that's exactly what, what they do. They basically spike the market by buying out or like just getting so much product of a type. And then when it spikes, it's like, it's like doing stock shares, right? Like, and it's not, is it unethical? No, like it's business, right? It's capitalism and uh, it's what it is. And I know some people might not like it, but it's just a fact of how the game works. Um, and that's what Magic the Gathering is. Um, and everybody is, that plays it is, is 
spiked something at some point, right? They've bought a bunch of something then and they've speculated and it goes up and then they get rid of it. Yeah, like everybody's done it. I've done it. Like it was, you know, everybody does it. That's part of the, the secondary market of any card game. Um, and Keyforge is a little bit different because every deck you have is your own. Like nobody else in the world has it. So there is no competition. Um, so the spike that happens there is really not based on like supply and demand like it is in magic it's based on how much does this it, it's pure consumerism right like it's like basically how much is this deck worth to me can this guy give right. me a price that's going to make me want to get rid of it and the answer is there is no answer because like i can't tell <laughs> right. you i can't tell you how you value a deck versus how i value a deck like if right. i sh- if i show you x peters you might just be like yeah that's a pretty good deck i'd pay like 80 bucks for it and for you that's like splurging right that's like that's huge um for, for, splurging for me <laughs> right right yeah and that's what i'm saying and like for me it's like i look at peters and i'm just like i wouldn't sell it for less than 1500 like i just wouldn't right like um because it's one of my best decks and it's the deck i want to keep right like it's it has a, a value to me and i know i'm never going to get a deck like it again and in keyforge what you see is at the top of uh, at the top end decks like when you find when people fall in love with their deck it becomes mm-hmm. very hard to get it off of them because they For know sure. that because they know they can't get it again, and so therefore right. there is a, a bigger demand for it. But the problem is, is that that person's not going to let it go. So the secondary market is really subjective on two people finding an agreement and being happy with the with, with the result, right? So it's all it, like Keyforge, I think, is inherently more fair in that as- aspect that on the secondary market than um, Magic: The Gathering, but. With that said, I, I, uh, so I was fascinated by the way, like I'm, I never got into, you know, the alpha investments thing or anything like that, like you're mentioning, but like, uh, I was fascinated by this when I heard about it and read about it a little bit. And I I thought it was super, super interesting. Mm -hmm. I do like, there is a element of, of feel bad there, right. Where it's like, uh, you know, folks manipulating the marketplace. Right. And you could say, hey, you know, there's nothing illegal about what they're doing. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it, there's a little bit of a feel bad where, like, hey, I, you know, if I want to play such and such a card. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's you know, absolutely. It, yeah, yeah. It it, ca- it causes I like yeah. I was gonna say it causes toxicity in the community for sure. Like mm-hmm. Magic is a far more toxic uh, environment community-wise than than Keyforge. Keyforge is actually one of the most amazing communities I've ever seen for any gaming group, as far as like people being inclusive and people being very, very generally polite, right? Like I agree. Nobody, nobody is always polite, right? Like you always have somebody that comes along and it's gonna oh, irk sure. you and stuff like that. But out of all the games I've ever played, even with my abrasiveness, like uh, like because sometimes I can <laughs> I, I can be a bit blunt or too honest with people. Like I'm, I don't have anybody in this community that I'm just like, man. If I saw that guy, I'd, I'd just punch him in the face. No, you know, like, like, like in, in, in Magic, in Magic: The Gathering, there are those people. There are those people that just they like, no matter where they go, they just cause drama, and it's just, um. it's just horrible sometimes. But like, uh, for the most part, like, I'm, and that's just, like again, like for the size of their community, it's expected that you're going to have that toxicity. And, the, and with the size of their community, it's more notable because there's more in, there's more opportunity for that chance. So I'm not saying that Magic: The Gathering's community is completely toxic. That's not true. Like uh, that would be Yu-Gi-Oh. There, I've heard. I've heard even less about. I've heard thirty. I've heard thirty year old men at Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments threatening like eight-year-old kids about cards and saying they're going to take them outside and stab them and that was like I don't ever want my kids playing Yu-Gi-Oh but sorry Yu-Gi-Oh but that happened Most, multiple times I've seen it and I'm just like that's crazy like you guys are starting gang wars over cards I don't get it but anyway moving forward uh, stop. What? So why 
why do you think Keyforge has such a positive community? Like, what? Like, hmm. why did that happen? People who are tired of of some of these other communities came here, maybe, or I think I think yeah. I, I think it has to do with the people that got into publicity of it first. Um, like, I could speak from my for my point of view and like you're putting me in an awkward position because i usually don't talk about myself <laughs> but like uh but like i was a day one the jupiter that's why ah, no, no 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 don't, don't put that on me don't put that yeah, on no me. no uh, just, but I'm like with you. yeah but like in the beginning of keyforge there was a group of people that took a liking to it i was one of them um there was archon's corner there was z like obviously um there was like uh keyforge events there was like the Ooglooks and all these other people that were there like from day one, right? And then some of us started going, you know what, we need to create content. And then we started creating content. So then you had like bouncing death quirks popping up. You had the, you know, I was doing some, Sanctimonious was doing things. Um, Aurora came along with Time Shapers. Like all these people started just putting their input in and sharing like experience and sharing data and coaching people and basically welcoming people to the community. And I think our community has just done that really, really well because again, we're not competing for the same cards and we're not competing for that we're, we're the the game is right. what we love right we love the game and um by having a i want you to learn why i love the game attitude and having those as the main people that were speaking out and basically offering advice and basically trying to make people like keyforge i think that just helped it a lot um and basically put it off on the right foot and then you have like the muffins of the world who are just great community uh, organizers you have like the um disease and you know that are running tournaments like keyforge Key event lives you have the tco crew who's doing all that out of their coding and stuff out of their own free time and stuff like that like you have the you know the nathans that are creating decks of keyforge so you can look at metrics easier and stuff like there's just a lot of very unselfish people that were that are heading that head the community so um i think that's a big difference um for this game because people wanted you to like it like the people who are pushing it are people who want you to love the game right um i can't say that about a lot it's... of the other communities that yeah. i've seen like a lot of the other get, they get too competitive and like a lot of the streams you see are just like oh i'm gonna kick his butt oh man oh, this guy got so lucky and this and that you still get that <laughs> you get that you get that in keyforge but usually that person gets laughed at right like we're just like whatever yeah. dude like you're funny because you know there's always a, a certain element of luck in the game and i think that's another like keyforge uh false thing is that people are just like you got you get so lucky it's all based off of rng there's like randomness and like there's no real skill in playing it you just play the cards that you're dealt and that's it no nah, that's absolutely not mm -hmm. true um and if that was true then we wouldn't be seeing in the kfpl like an event that i created obviously if you're new to the station if you play keyforge you probably heard of it but like uh the kfpl it's like these are people from all around the world that play in a big meta and like we've made it bigger and bigger and bigger but when we look at the top groups there's a lot of familiar people that show up all the time. If it was completely luck, they wouldn't be there. <laughs> like, like right, it's true. like they just outplay people. And then, and then, like, it's like again, it's a micro decision. And, and like, let me explain. With micro decision, I'm saying basically that there's definitely a definitive amount of data, like each deck that you know comes comes with, and then your opponent has a definitive amount of, of data, and then. Your interpretation, the better it is of the decks and how they interact with each other and what you need to do and how you need to get there, that's how you play Keyforge. Whereas in um, Magic the Gathering, like the, the data is somewhat uh, 
harder to do because like there are like tweaks and stuff that you can make to your deck so the decks don't come as complete right and like you have to basically make assumptions about your uh, opponent's deck you have to interpret it right it's subjective um to what you think they might be doing and most of them might play a straight net deck but everybody wants to tweak it just a little bit right that makes it their own um so it makes it a lot harder because of the data being a little bit murkier whereas in keyforge you have like very you very much know what you're playing against in their deck and the better you can memorize that data the better it is the better of a player you're going to be because you're going to be able to react to that and if you ha can keep the mental notes like you know we always talk about like uh, other podcasts like in, in keyforge it's all about your mental um flexibility because you're going to have to be able to remember what your opponent's deck list was what's been played you know how much of what has been played you know and then kind of set up and then you got to look and be like well if he's already played this many cards from this house like i know that he's not going back to that house so how do i trap him and put him in a position where he plays with a least a less optimal turn right so these are all like micro decisions that are made in the game and you win or lose on them there's been games where we, in the league where me and z are watching and you could tell by turn three or four that one person's going to lose because they they didn't plan properly like like there's there's an arc that you go wow that was kind of a, a big a big decision there and i don't know if it's going to work out and then it ends up like kind of spiraling downward right um and, sure. and i think sure. i think keyforge is way less forgiving than magic the gathering um, in that concept because in magic the gathering you have mana right so there is a chance that in the beginning somebody comes out pretty hot and they get ahead of you and you you basically have less than optimal hands and stuff but then they might hit a pocket of mana and then you get turns back right like you get basically some time to to catch back up and, and change the course of the game um keyforge you don't get that like uh, you, no, you, no. You, you don't momentum is big yeah yeah there there's definitely like uh you either basically push and get counter pushed and you go back and forth like that until somebody pushes and there's no counter push and then they push and then they push and then they push and then like the like i mean yes there is a small amount of comeback there's always a swing mechanic right there are swing mechanics and stuff like sure. that but knowing when to play them and to have them on time that's right that's, that's part of that quote-unquote luck it's not luck if you planned it like you have an archive you have tools that let you basically get in position to do that and um, i think a lot of the players that don't play the game like you know hardcore enough i'll say um i don't think that they fully understand the mechanic that happened yeah using a board clear i think is is like a great example right like when you see they've got some board advantage um but maybe not massive board advantage you have the board clear in your hand Mm -hmm. Do you do you play it now, or do you wait one turn, maybe, because you could see, hey, I could go this house or that house. You go one turn so that you maybe lure him to an even bigger board advantage so that you can really, uh, you know, knock them off kilter. Um, or do you need to play it now because they're, they're just have built too much of an advantage? And a lot of that is, um, from my understanding, their Archon card, um, and remembering stuff, which I'm not great at. That maybe this is why I'm a little better at sealed, maybe than than <laughs> Archon. Because mm -hmm. um, um, sometimes I'll forget. I'll be like, shoot, wait, I think they had a lot of creatures in this house, but I don't remember if they had a lot of creatures in that house. And they're probably going to call this house. Like, are they likely to drop a big a big board, or are they likely to do something else? And that's some of the decisions that can really can can be the difference maker in a game. 
Yeah, I think I think that this, if you like playing any version of sealed um, competitive card gaming, then Keyforge is your game. Like, uh, like without a doubt, I think Keyforge is the best sealed mechanic in in mm-hmm. in any card game I've played, including Magic. And Magic, I love drafting. I love the idea and stuff. But in a draft, you can kind of get like hammed um, into like having you know just things that don't work, or like you know you can get a great deck. Obviously, there are people who are professional drafters like they're really good at doing it and like basically they always get a deck they can play and they understand the algorithm and they hit their algorithm and they play really well and you know kudos to that but in in keyforge the idea that like you're getting 36 cards and you're going to learn to deal with how to play with it and stuff and then when your opponent sits across from you like with you're going to have to be like okay well i know they're in this set right like so if it's like an all coda like a uh, sealed deck it's a little bit easier because then you only have like 300 cards you got to worry about right but when you have like start getting like mixed set kind of things then you have a lot more cards mm-hmm. to think about right and like uh, trying to figure out the deck so the first thing you have to do is identify the set then you have to identify the houses and then you have to be like well what can this house do to me and then you start playing on the real mind games because now like you can play your deck like you have a, a, a too much to protect but you don't Right, like, right. but you make your right. opponent feel like you have it too much to protect, or you say something. Right. You give them like a verbal right. cue about like, I don't know if I want to take this. Right. I don't know if I want to stop this key. Like, right, like there's a lot of uh, competitiveness that goes into that kind of uh, environment. And I think sealed deck in, in Keyforge, hands down, is better than in Magic: The Gathering. Any version of Magic uh, sealed. Um, well, so I, I actually wonder, because I think the bar of entry for sealed Keyforge versus the equivalent, which is draft in Magic, is right. is very different, right? Like it is, like it's it's a lot higher to jump to say, yeah, I'm going to go to a store and play a draft and like pass these cards around, have to read these cards as we're going, like not want to be the slow person, get something usable, um, versus Keyforge, you just Here's your deck. Flip through the cards. Hey, you read them all, but like, um, you, you don't have to make decisions about what goes in there. It's just like, hey, try to try to figure out a fun way to play this deck. Like, I feel like that is much less threatening, or I don't know, threatening is the right word, but uh, challenging to to welcome new folks. Yeah, and I think I think part of that stress that goes into that isn't just for sealed. I think that's for anything. If you're brand new to Magic: The Gathering, like when I took my break for like you know ten years and in, in, in the middle there somewhere, like uh, when mm-hmm. I was in the military, I wasn't playing anything competitive and stuff. But when I came back to competitive, like now there's like you know like magic has like 200,000 cards like <laughs> like that's a lot of cards to get to know right like in the in like the the thing so the resource pool and stuff is huge and like the amount of cards that are in that okay here's another sidebar i'm going to sidebar real quick here too is that a lot of people's thing with keyforge is like well you have all these decks that you end up just not having anything to do with right um most of us like i say us cuz i'm one of those people we have like you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decks um are we going to ever play all of them no of course not right like, like, uh, you don't have time for that in your life, right? Like, as far as, like, the amount of decks that you're opening, especially if you're searching for stuff, right? Like, if you're opening and you're actually looking for competitive stuff, like, you probably open, like, on, on a case on average per set, right? Like, let's say that. Um, so, like, um, that's a lot to open. And there's a lot of decks that are going to be wasted. But how many common cards and how many, like, uncommon cards in Magic sit in boxes and collect dust and don't do anything? Mm-hmm. So, so don't tell me that there's cards that you don't throw away, too. Um that is one of sure. my, that's another peeve point for me, right? Like with 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 it with people from Magic is going, well, you get all these decks and they're just like you know card stock fodder, and I'm like, yes, you're right, they are card stock fodder. But guess what? Um, you get that in Magic too because you open packs looking for that one card, that one rare you want, and you'll open a box and not get it. 
or mm-hmm. you're, you're you know and you'll oh and it's like it, it, the chase in magic is so much more expensive than it is in keyforge like period like because like if yep. i take if i take a thousand dollars which is a very fair average for a modern deck probably a low average honestly but like if i take a thousand dollars for like a modern deck right to play a modern keyforge or a keyforge magic to play modern magic that thousand dollars can buy me what a hundred boxes of like decks of keyforge or like like basically like uh you know uh, let me think 1000 you figure say about 10 bucks per pack right so what is that yep, that's, uh, that's yeah. 100 100 100 decks basically i can get i guarantee you if you buy 100 decks you're gonna have more than one competitive deck <laughs> like like yeah. very easily um and you never have to have another competitive deck again. Like, like that's the beauty of Keyforge. Like, the, the idea that Garfield had for Keyforge was he wants you to find that deck that you just absolutely love, and he wants you to learn it so well that you are the master of that deck, and that people fear you. And when you show up, you go, oh, here comes Z. I know he's got a Kari on him. It's probably yep. true. You know, or hey, here comes Z or, or somebody from Team Sass. I know they're going to have Galaxy somewhere because that deck is really good right and it beca- it becomes an identity and the deck has an identity and then in keyforge what did they do to, to to compensate that is they basically created a system that where if a deck ascends like it no longer can be played it basically goes into the uh you know the the super like this deck is the one of the most unique and awesome decks in the world category like it gets ascended out of the game from locals from locals right <laughs> Um, I think it's it, I think it's bigger than that. Like I think it's pretty much like it can it, you can work it you can work a deck out of none of them have, but like I, I believe. Wait, wait, wait. I thought so you can definitely work a deck out of your locals. I thought you could just keep bringing a bring the same deck to a vault door forever. I thought no, because if wrong. you get if you get to power level nine and you keep like pushing with it, like I think huh. that you can actually ascend it out of the game like you can make it leave okay and then, and then hmm. it's like and there's like there was kind of like a prize package for it i could be wrong i don't know if i remember that correctly it's been a while since i've thought about it i but. know i remember when the first deck got ascended out of um local stuff oh that's uh, the, cha- the, cha- the chain yeah 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 yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There, yeah. there was like an article and everything and you know it was a big like the logos dub- mother deck yeah yeah um yeah if but, you get i guess if you get over 24 chains locally like you, you technically can't play it anymore right because no, because no. like uh after 24 chains you don't draw anything like i guess that's sure. the the handicap for that it's a but pretty like cool achievement though <laughs> yeah it's the achievement a lot of people go after that too um yeah. but that's also a con because like you know, if you have a bunch of little pawns, like certain pawns aren't as strong as the other pawns, right? And then when you get on the bigger stage, like that deck was that it was dominant in that little pawn gets eaten by a shark in the ocean. Like, sure. It just sure. It, like uh, the chain system was always broken to me. I didn't like it, but so I didn't really play in a lot of chain bound stuff. Like I only play in chain bound stuff on accident uh, because like I, I, I really I, I really wasn't a big fan of the thought of putting chains on a deck because I think that it makes it so it was almost like a well. I'll say that the secondary market people, some of them, tried to make it as a selling point, and it was just never one that I cared to listen to because yeah. just because you have ten chains on it that say your deck is ten and zero and chain bound. All right, sweet. Okay, but who are you playing? Like, how good is your meta? Sure. Some, some people could have a deck that is like I've seen decks. Go look at like the how many losses like Daphne Vega has on it, and like some of these bigger decks that uh that were that basically somebody had and they couldn't win with, and then it went to the hands of a competitive player, and then that person took it and like you know, started just dominating people with it. Because again in Keyforge there's a personality with the deck, right? Like I think in Keyforge, like there's a lot of 
personality that goes into the style of play that's that the deck Definitely. is being played. And that's like part of the fun of this game is hunting for the decks that fit you, right? Mm-hmm. Like like mm-hmm. uh the good story with that is was like my deck I won my prime with eventually obtuse Inca. I don't think anybody else plays that deck as well as I play it. Um, because it's not an easy deck to play. It has a lot of holes, but like there's workarounds and like you can figure around you can figure yourself around some of the things. Do I think it's a top tier deck? Would I take it to a huge event? I took it to the Albany tour. I won three games out of four with it, so like you know, I did pretty well at that level. And it, like when you look at it, it's it's like, yeah. I'm just saying though, but at at, at that level though, like um, take if I told you, hey, do you want to take one of my decks that have has only has three amber control and it has negative one speed or negative two speed, whatever. Like <laughs> that's that's that deck. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, but because I took the time to learn it, and there was things about the right. style of the deck that I like, like Nature's Call, um, and Control of the Week, like it, it gets pretty good. Sure, <laughs> it gets pretty good sure. quick. So, yeah. Now, now, one thing you mentioned a little while ago that that was on my list of things to call out that I wanted to back up to, I think, is an interesting aspect of when you're buying decks, flash cards, right? Mm-hmm. And what what you get from a rarity perspective is very different between the two games. Meaning, uh, beyond like a most uh, i don't tell me if i'm right or wrong here my impression is in magic most of the really good cards are rare or really old um and you want to just keep buying stuff to get the rares right that's sort of their that's how they make their money right like hey i'm gonna buy a a case to try to get a couple uh one or two of these rare cards whereas i, in I, I won't say I, I i won't i won't say that's completely true because commons and uncommons like lightning bolt is a was a common mm. right like yeah. like like there are ve- there are very much like glue type commons and uncommons that are very good but they they're not right. gonna have they're not gonna have secondary market value like the rares so the rares right. the rares do get the stress and like the planeswalkers and like some of the more powerful things definitely are top heavy on the rares but yes i right. I, just, I, I, I don't want to, i don't want you to sound like you're like saying that their commons and uncommons don't matter because they do but no no but, no just but uh, the chase my... the chase is definitely right. real like is, is right. the rare chase yeah Whereas I think a lot of Keyforge rares are, I mean, there's some really good ones, but but a lot of them are very situational, mm-hmm. and a lot of the best Keyforge cards are common and uncommon, and it's because you can't construct your deck is why you can do that, right? Otherwise, you could probably you could probably make a super amazing deck with all commons, right? Uh, if you could construct it, right? Where yeah, um, absolutely. Um, yeah, so so I think that is a really interesting difference that I think is kind of cool, right? You're more likely to get good common cards, and then some interesting, weird, rare cards that maybe are that flavor, that personality, of that deck. That's like, well, if I could really learn how to use these things together, that's where I'm gonna um, make this deck special. Yeah, I agree um, 100%. Um, and I think that's part of the evolution of what Richard Garfield wanted. I feel like Keyforge, like another thing that kind of makes Keyforge versus Magic the Gathering a big issue for some people and trying to make a comparison is that Richard Garfield like kind of made Keyforge and the idea of like, how would I fix some of the things that weren't right for Magic, right? And like, and that's like the first like selling point for a lot of people that are trying to sell Keyforge to magic players and i think that's actually a negative way to approach it because yeah you're, you're instantly going well mana screw 
Doesn't that suck? <laughs> yes, it does. Right, but in KeyForge, you don't get mana screwed, but you can get uh, you can get a two 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 hand, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, two, yeah. that's the that's the equivalent of a <laughs> mana screw, like yeah, right, yeah. like uh, basically you're not playing as fast as you want to, and your decks are kind of hand or or limited because you can't play more than two cards, right? But um, you're always playing cards though, right? That's the other argument, right? So it's always like how you approach the game and how you present it to somebody, and I think that like a lot of that like well you can't get mana screwed. Oh, I always have cards in my hand. I can't run out of cards. Like that, those kind of mentalities are childish, and they're not like a good way to do comparisons. And I think that like a lot of that stuff just offsets people, right? Like, and I think that's yeah. what makes this thing like, a, well, how, which game is better? They're the same. They're not the same. Like they are in court. Like in essence, they are similar, very, very similar. But th- like I said, they're both fruit. Like, but they're apples and oranges when it when I, when I look at it, right? Like, I right. and like this is a long discussion that we're gonna have. This is the first of our series. Um, we're coming up on that hour mark here now believe it or not like and we haven't even touched on it <laughs> right but uh we're gonna come back you know what? like to halfway through bullet point two i think yeah like like yeah like, we, we haven't got we very far. a little bit yeah we haven't got around yeah we, we've touched on things but we're gonna come back and touch on them even more in the, in the near future um this is gonna be a series um of basic mm-hmm. things and what we're gonna do is i'm gonna try to bring in people um i already have george kegel lined up to come and uh, talk to us who is a competitive very high competitive magic player and a very high competitive keyforge player so be interesting to get his perspectives on some of this um and then we're going to have jason bargender again um to talk about it yeah because he was a magic player somewhat uh for a while too i don't know how deep he was into it but i know uh he did play it for a bit and he is definitely a very good keyforge player so it's very interesting to hear these things and again we're not here to to to, to widen the rift what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to let you know that Keyforge is a game that's worth you trying if you're a Magic player. And if you're a Keyforge player, you, you pay your respects to Magic. It's like kind of like a, a young whippersnapper and an old man, right? Like, let Magic be yeah. what Magic <laughs> is. And, and don't be cocky and don't be a jerk to the game. Because the game is the literally the core fundamental of anything that is Keyforge, right? And so, like, uh, there's no way that, like, we should be looking at Magic as a bad thing. Um, it is what it is. And then Keyforge is basically, like, an evolution of Magic. Uh, look at it that way. Whereas, like, there's no longer it's not the same but it, it, it but there's still roots that have been tied into it so um the whole idea here again is trying to push aside some of the the barriers to entry right like i want key, magic players to play keyforge and i want them to understand keyforge in a way that that we do and if they don't like it they don't like it that's fine but i think there's plenty of people who didn't give it a chance and if that means like a keyforge player has to play magic to get a magic player to play keyforge play magic magic's a great game <laughs> like uh, if you got the resources like go play some like edh yep. or like, like just borrow a deck most magic players that play like play at like the lgs's and stuff they'll even at like if you go to a bigger tournament or whatever like if you know how to play the game people will let you borrow decks it's not any different from keyforge in that estimate there's a lot of good people so um you know game that's what it's all about it's about gaming right like and going to your lgs and keeping your lgs uh alive because it's a place that we can go and be social and if a year in covid hasn't made you want to do that i i don't know I, I, You're very I, introverted. You, you you should sign up to go be one of the first people to live on Mars. Like, go do that <laughs> because you'll be perfect for that program. But uh, with that said, just bring lots of keyboard decks with you. You'll be you'll be good. Well, they wouldn't care. They would just sit in their bubble. Yeah. Like, they'd be happy, right? <laughs> but no. Nah, but like, uh, with all reality, though, um, both games are great, right? And um, if you haven't heard, 
there's a thing called KeyForge Live coming, and I'm gonna plug this. I'm gonna plug this because it's coming real quick. It's uh this month, right? Uh, so it's going to be here, and uh, it's in Milwaukee. If you haven't checked it out, go to Archon's Corner, read about it, look it up. KeyForge Live, it's a real thing. It's all by the people for the people. So they'll go do it. Go support these people. They're basically going out of on a limb, like most. That another thing about the KeyForge community is like without the people that we have, KeyForge probably does die, right? But in, in the people who don't know about our community probably feel like KeyForge is, is a dead game. It's very alive and very well. Like there are plenty of people who love this game and we have enough resources already. Not even if if nothing else was ever printed, we'd have enough to play. But we want more. We we hunger for it. More. And uh, <laughs> and uh, basically we want to play and we want to show you why it's a great game. But Keyforge Live Milwaukee, twenty uh, third yeah. to the twenty fifth of July um, at the Sheraton. So if you're in the area or if you want to go play some awesome Keyforge, go there. Visit. Yeah. There's gonna be tons of uh, people there. Like a lot of OGs. I'll be there. Yep, Drascord will be there. I will not. Sorry, but uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I I did all I could. I tried. I, I tried to manage it, but it just wasn't feasible with uh with Harlan and stuff. Especially now, yeah. I, I've got so much paperwork to do for him because he's getting indocked. Uh, if you didn't know, Harlan is my autistic son, but uh, he, he comes on the stream all the time. He lost his first tooth today sometime oh. we only noticed it when he smiled like i don't know uh, i have uh, no idea what he did with it he probably ate it i don't know but either delicious way. delicious yeah little li- children's teeth like like freak out my wife for whatever reason so she's she's always like you you have to go be the tooth fairy like i can't touch it <laughs> weird <laughs> yeah, funny, funny, yeah i don't know what it is funny sidebar story about the tooth fairy is uh my oldest daughter well not my oldest daughter but my the oldest girl that is in our care still like my oldest daughter's married and gone right never had a lot to do with her sadly but she's like my pride and joy for sure but like my stepdaughter uh who is now 13 back when she was when we first met and stuff she was staying with us at the beach house and you know this and that she lost a tooth and we're like oh crazy we weren't expecting it we didn't even know there was one that was loose right so like halfway through the night she's like hey do you got any money that we could put under for the tooth fairy and i'm just like uh let me check my wallet at the time all i had was hundreds and better right like it I'm just like, oh crap, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I gave her a hundred bucks, <laughs> like for a tooth, and um, she started like, yeah, I think I have a loose tooth. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, after, after that, she started getting really. Um, <laughs> she's like, I think she was trying to knock her teeth out. Like, I really, felt, <laughs> I felt that way. Was she? Was she super disappointed the next time when you gave her like a nickel? I gave her, I gave her like twenty bucks. Like, wow, I, I, this is some tooth fairy. Yeah, my, the tooth fairy Oof. in in my presence is always pretty, pretty, pretty stout. Tell uh, ya. Yeah, I mean, you only have so many teeth, right? Like kids That's have true. kids have to ball a little bit, and they want to get stuff. And nowadays, twenty bucks is like giving them a nickel back in my day. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yep. So that's it. But uh, so Keyforge is like the Tooth Fairy. Keyforge is like maybe amazing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, it's like the Tooth Fairy that gives you the hundred dollars. Yeah. So after all that serious, after after all that serious Keyforge magic talk, uh, we've really just scratched the surface. So please, uh, mm-hmm. if you are enjoying the series and you'd like to come on and talk with us, like uh, reach out to me um, or Drascore, and we will get you kind of on a list. Um, we're gonna work in um, a time for George and Jason here shortly, um, and get them and start kind of doing letting them tell their parts of it and how they feel, and then counterpointing what we feel will counterpoint and stuff. It, we're just gonna have a discussion. And again, um, the idea is to grow the 
the communities, maybe put, you know, bring them closer together, but at least let us have respect for each other. Um, that is a Keyforge thing. I guess that's a mindset for Keyforge. And I'm hoping that the Magic players out there, if you did catch this here, or if you're a Keyforge player that has a Magic friend, let, ha have them listen to this um, and let, let, let them hear like some of the points of views that we made. I think they're pretty solid. Um, I think they're very fair. I think they're very, um, they're very, um, as unbiased as they can be, right? Because there's always going to be a bias because they're both games. But I do love both games. So, um, and yes, it might sound like we're Keyforgers because we are. We're Keyforgers we first. We're Keyforgers <laughs> first. But, um, but we can do that while still respecting the root of our game, right? And that is magic. And like, we think that, you know, we just want a better understanding of our game because our game is pretty fantastic so try it out tco it's free like you don't have to pay a penny to play keyforge at a competitive level you can go to dok get a deck you like play it on tco completely free never have to even buy a deck so if you're out there and you're basically a magic player we're just hoping that you will take a chance and come out of your comfort zone a little bit and learn more about keyforge um there is these things called the keyforge adventures um that have come out they're free to play uh free to print free to play um and I've been using that as a recruiting tool, and I've actually recruited two people this past Monday uh, into KeyForge with nice. it because it's a lot easier to play as the Kraken, like you know, help you know guide the Kraken and let them play the decks with their open hands and stuff, and just help them understand what's going on better without being competitive, like head to head. So, like, right. um, I think that that is a really good tool for new players. So. If you haven't checked out um, Rise of the, the Key Racken, um, I, I highly suggest it. There is a video on the um, kfpl.site um, website, um, and the Kraken is absolutely scary if you uh, listen to its voice. <laughs> I actually finally just ordered myself a, a printed version, um, so I will soon play this. Did you Did you uh, see my first video? Uh, no, I have to watch it. I have to watch it. The Key Racken's voice is absolutely like petrifying oh i think he told me it was it's uh <laughs> yeah it was harlan yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so cute nice nice i'm the key racking <laughs> i will be your doom <laughs> perfect yeah, perfect i thought it was great it's, it's like up there with your daughter right like you got to put those yeah. little guys in get give them some keyboard money. stuff yep get, get them excited so she's like dad are you gonna go talk about keyboard stuff Hey, Keyforge, yeah. Key, Keyforge Adventures also brought my son, Tristan, back into playing again. He's back into being excited about it. So, mm -hmm. Cool. Cool, cool. So check it out. Um, we're at we're like over that hour mark, so we're out. Um, I am mm -hmm. Jupiter from Melius, New York, my co-host. And it is Drascor Happy Forging, everyone. Yep, and we'll catch you on the flip side.